BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. KFI AM640, you're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. This is in the New York Post. Signature mm. Bank, which just went uh, down the chute. Yes. The uh, the chairman, Scott Shea, uh, recently had led a seminar for employees on gender-neutral pronouns like Z and her, spelled H-I-R. Z-E and H-I-R. Hmm. Employees were instructed for more than an hour on how to use the gender-neutral pronouns. An hour. And uh, he did it alongside somebody with uh, the Colin Lord Community Health Center. And, and this guy was named Finn Brigham who is described as a genderqueer, trans-masculine person. Hmm. Wow. So that's what he was doing while <laughs> the bank was failing. Yeah, the bank was failing. <laughs> they didn't have a risk manager. No. They didn't take a closer look at what they were invested in and how much it could all blow up yet. Okay. Ah, uh, Donnie Ken show on KFI. Oh, exciting news, John. I don't know if you're aware of this. The Moist Line returns Friday. Mm. It'll be the first time in two weeks. I know. We'll be I know. Calls and because we were both were out last I, Friday. I miss it. One eight seven seven Moist eighty six. Fresh messages are always welcome. One eight seven seven six six four seven eight eight six. We're going to begin this hour by talking to Blake Trolley from KFI News. There was a press conference by the LA County DA George Gascon to announce charges against the operators of a 
care facility for dementia patients in the Fairfax district, something called Silverado Beverly Place, for what happened back in 2020 when the COVID-19 outbreak hit and a number of residents and even one employee died because of the actions, they will say, of the facility's operators. Let's bring on Blake for more on this story. Blake, yeah. welcome. So what is Gascon saying that uh, they did at Silverado? So these charges were filed against, and I want to start by saying these were filed against Silverado Senior Living Management. Uh, the managers were hit with elderly endangerment, other violations. Silverado, I know this comes down to that location in the Fairfax district, but Silverado is a national chain of memory care centers based out of Irvine. They have locations in other parts of Southern California and across the country. Now to get to this deadly outbreak, this outbreak happened uh, back in March of 2020. Um, it was one of the deadliest COVID-19 outbreaks at any assisted living facility in California. Investigators began looking into this when a nurse in LVN was reported dead. Prosecutors allege that in a financially motivated move, the care center admitted a patient from New York. The patient was admitted from another care center in New York, which was a COVID-19 hotspot at, a, at the time. According to officials, it was not only uh, at the time of the admission of, in March of 2020, it, was against, it wasn't only against the company's protocols to admit that new patient, but that patient was never tested for COVID-19, was never quarantined. So they brought this patient in, and as Gascon again pointed to, this patient went straight from the airport to the facility. This particular resident began displaying COVID-19 symptoms the morning after arrival and tested positive for the virus that evening. After admitting and assisting the new resident, Ms. Ringel, the, the LBN, tested positive for COVID on March 25th of 2020 and died on April 20 of 2020. Ms. Ringel was 32 years old at the time. In addition to Ms. Bruner Ringel, 13 residents contracted COVID-19 and died. There were also more than 100 cases of COVID-19 amongst residents and staff. So again, they're saying because of, you know, the, the company broke the uh, their own protocols, their protocols were put in place because they knew it was, you know, dangerous to transfer patients from these COVID-19 hotspots into their own company. They didn't follow that protocol. And then on top of not following that protocol, they, um, you know, again, didn't test this patient or quarantine this patient. And there were some questions today, guys, about just the unusualness of well, this. I got a question. You may not be able to answer it, but mm -hmm. uh, all right. They violated their protocol. They, they did something wrong. Does that automatically translate to a crime, though? I mean, a felony every time a hospital violates their own protocol. I, I just don't remember hospital personnel then being charged with uh, major felonies. Yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to go to this, because there were some questions about this, including one from me on this. Uh, but, you know, there were some questions. Again, was this an unusual case? The way that they say that they're going to try to try this is kind of, you know, kind of company negligence, your general company negligence. Uh, but, you know, as far as the criminal charges that they're trying to get to stick, the main one here is elderly endangerment. They're saying you guys knew that this was a bad idea, that this was a date, you know, it was dangerous to transport this patient from New York to California, you did anyways. On top of that, you didn't test this patient and you didn't quarantine them. Um, so again, I, I think it is gonna be a little bit of an unusual case. I mean, there were definitely questions about that. This is investigator Mark Barrett pushing back on that because uh, uh, reporters were 
you know, immediately that was kind of everybody's first question is, is this case a little bit unusual uh, given the circumstances? I would not say it's an unusual prosecution because we often have cases where there's negligence that causes harm to health and safety of others. Um, dramatically in, in arson cases, um, industrial accidents, and we're treating this as an industrial workplace accident, which is one of the reasons that the Department of Industrial Relations is investigating this case. And then I want to go to this clip as well. This was my exchange with Mark Barrett. Again, he's an investigator with the DA's office. Um, I had this question just to get an idea of how tricky this prosecution is going to be because, I mean, guys, we're talking about people getting sick. But again, this is also during a pandemic when people were just getting sick in general. Do you anticipate any pushback? They could say, well, somebody else got sick or another staff member brought COVID into the building. We do not have to prove that COVID was brought in by this particular patient. We simply have to show that there was a positive test and that the protocols were not followed. In particular, this patient was never tested when they arrived at the facility, which was you know, a breach of logic and also standards. Oh, and also this patient was not quarantined per regulations for 14 days. And you could hear their questions were getting but, cut off. So we didn't get yeah. to ask, you okay, know, but I just want to go back to. to that question. They don't have to prove that this patient brought the COVID that killed 13 others. Well, then what's the crime here? Uh, yes, they didn't follow the procedure, but it seems at most that would be that uh, they could get fined by whatever agency oversees nursing homes, or there could be a civil lawsuit from the family. Well, there, there is a civil lawsuit already. Right, there is a civil right, but it seems like that's as far as it goes. Now you're talking about a crime where you don't have to prove that the crime was committed? The crime here is they knowingly had a COVID patient who spread COVID and killed 13 other patients, but they don't know, and they're not going to try to prove that it was his COVID. That just sounds really like a stretch. I think this is going to it's definitely going to be an interesting case to watch. Uh, you know, when this case, if it does get to trial, it'll be really interesting to see how they try to prosecute this. And that's exactly why I asked that question, because I, you know, you immediately can at least uh, at least for me as a as a as a common man, you know, you start to kind of set up that defense uh, in your head. But I should point out, guys, that this facility has already been sued in civil court by three residents, families and the family of the nurse who died. The mother of the nurse who died did an interview with the L.A. Times saying her daughter didn't know what to do. She told her mom this man was, you know, was profusely sweating, had a cough and a fever. The nurse actually called 911 the next day from his symptoms. And again, the day after he was admitted, uh, he did test positive for COVID-19. And also it was right. March of 2020, which was the Wild West period where nobody knew what was going on. I mean, that was only two weeks into the lockdown. Yeah. And this guy, you know, out of all the places he was, you know, he could have came from, he was coming from New York City. And that's one thing prosecutors have pointed out is just the added danger of the fact that New York City at the time was an epicenter. This was a, a very upscale. I see here more than 15 grand a month to be at this facility. It's uh, considered a very upscale uh, care facility. That, uh, all right, that's thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Blake. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, said here, I looked at a, a story from three years ago. 125 years. dementia patients. They offered gourmet meals, yacht trips, art shows, live entertainment, and uh, the regular aroma of baking cookies. The price tag can run north of $15,000 a month to be at Silverado. I'd rather yeah. give that money to my kids instead uh, of living uh, in dementia. If you have dementia, you don't know. I mean, you smell yeah, a cookie and then you smell one... That's where somebody's got to give me the exit bag. They, What's the uh, point of that? 
Make, make That's any... what you should open. You should open Exit Bag. That's home. what I'm going to call my nursing home chain, the Exit Bag. EBH. No, really? I mean, I mean, fifteen thousand a month, right? If you're there for two years, I mean, that's over three hundred thousand dollars to go to a bunch of greedy nursing home executive bastards. What's the <laughs> point of that? Just take the exit bag, bag, give that money to your family, and then they bring in a guy from New York and he kills thirteen of them. Yeah, right? I, I guess. Yeah, I bet you that's why they took him in. That yeah, uh, he well, probably was going to pay a hefty price to get transferred. Was, his family I was, was. I was wondering what the financial gain was. Like fifteen thousand a month. Oh man. Now, all right, more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM six forty live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. Let's go. You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM six forty. Coming up after two thirty, this is a can't miss, and it probably took a lot for the assignment editors at the El Segundo Times to actually send somebody to do a story, which is really a couple of weeks late on what's going on in the metro system in Los Angeles <laughs> County. This is unbelievable. Yes. I mean, it starts with a guy who's just sitting there smoking fentanyl on a metro train and doesn't care and then staggers off and almost falls down. Uh, we'll talk about it after the news at 2.30 because it's just more proof that there is nobody left on the buses and trains but the homeless, the drug addicts, and, of course, sometimes both homeless drug addicts. And the insane wandering around wow this story i mean it's it's nothing that we didn't know right but there was just something about this story it's like you really when you go on those metro trains you're descending into hell now it's It's, well nobody is anymore unless they're homeless or addicted or both it's 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 clear from the story that's all that's there don't Uh, take metro trains okay we, I think I think every every sane person should boycott the metro trains until they either go out of business or get rid of all the vagrants and drug addicts and mental patients. Yeah. Now we're back to the Newsom's. Uh, the announcement was made today by the L.A. County D.A.'s office that they will not seek a new trial against Harvey Weinstein. As you may remember, there were several accusers in the trial, but the jury only convicted Weinstein in the case of this Italian model at a hotel in L.A., Jane Doe number 1. That's the 16 years behind bars that he got sentenced to. The other accusers include Jane Doe number 4, who is Jennifer Newsom, the Dippity Doo's wife. The jury deadlocked on the case that she presented. And the word today is they are not going to retry Weinstein. Jane Doe number 2 is the other one they deadlocked on. Uh, identified as actress and screenwriter Lauren Young. Now, apparently, Young submitted a statement. Uh, so rather, Young was disappointed about the decision, but Jane Doe number 4, Newsom, submitted a statement to the judge saying she did not want a retrial. And we've talked about this before because we're both of the opinion that when Jennifer Newsom encountered Weinstein, whatever happened, she was definitely seeing this as a step up in her acting career. That's what she wanted to be at the time this happened. I think it was in 2004 or 2005. And I think the jury, too, was a bit conflicted because uh, she continued to maintain some type of contact with Weinstein, even after what she says was a sex assault. She sent him emails. She asked for his advice after Gavin uh, got a lot of bad publicity for having the affair with, uh, I think it was his... uh, 
what was his campaign manager the or campaign his manager, chief of top staff? aide's wife? Yeah, 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 the wife, right? So, and then we found out that that Newsom had drinking problems. All this came out in the media. And what does Jennifer Newsom do? Calls up Harvey Weinstein for some uh, public relations advice, some crisis management wisdom. Wow, that's weird. Now, if she, you know, she gave a, she really freaked out on the stand. She was crying. She was very upset. I can't square that with somebody who privately is making phone calls for advice when her uh, dopey husband's uh, dirty past was coming out. Oh, I've always believed that she took advantage of this because her nonprofit is all about women and uh, the things that they suffer. Remember when the Me Too started, Weinstein was one of the first people to be accused. She didn't come forward with her story for a while. No, no, she did not. Well, then when she heard there's an actual trial, I, I think that the, the thought was, well, you know, I might be able to gain some publicity off this sure. as an accuser. And does this help Gavin's political career? Yeah. Oh, does it help my nonprofit? Yeah. I'm going to stand up for women who have been assaulted. Yeah. So I, no. I had a lot of questions no, about she, her. She, both, of, both of the Newsoms are shady. They're definitely shady. Uh, by the way, if you missed it last hour, that's another good reason to check out the podcast. We uh, did a story on the Newsoms and... Uh, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank that collapsed. Apparently, the Newsom's uh, wineries were big depositors. Oh, and, and apparently, a uh, Silicon Valley Bank executive was on the board of uh, Jennifer Newsom's nonprofit. And, and Newsom asked the Silicon Valley executives to donate $100,000 to one right. of his slush funds. And people are wondering why he didn't make this clear when he was asking Biden and the federal government to help bail out SVB. He should have been more transparent about his connections to the bank. Yeah. But again, it's blind trust. We don't know anything about it. It's blind trust. Uh, also, that what's been revealed about the board of this bank, only one member of the board actually had a career in investment banking. <laughs> the rest are being described as Obama and Clinton mega donors. Yeah, this and, is... And, and one of them apparently was so worked up when uh, Trump defeated Hillary Clinton in 2016, she cried and she went to a Shinto shrine to pray because she was so upset about uh, the Tr victory by Trump over Hillary. They, they, uh, they, their board, they like to brag, was so diverse. It had one a uh, black member, one LGBTQ plus member, two veterans, 45% women. But they only had one person on the board who had experience in the banking industry. One that's person. Joke. That's a joke. That is. It's a, that's what we said before. It seems like it was a place just for Silicon Valley Democrat donors. One source told the Post everyone knew it was the go-to bank for woke CEOs. The companies SVB loaned money to all had a woke agenda. Uh, Kate Mitchell, 64, <laughs> served on the board since 2010. <clears throat> she told CNBC back in 2016 that she went to a Shinto shrine while on a trip to Japan to pray. I prayed for me and us to get beyond our grieving and shock and to figure out how to engage and listen to what happened and come back together. <laughs> she had earlier celebrated how 97% of the tech industry's donations were going to Hillary Clinton's campaign. <laughs> and she also founded a uh, the National Venture Capitalist Association, an initiative called Venture Forward, which focusing on advancing opportunities for women and underrepresented minorities in the venture ecosystem. Oh, my God. 
they one of the other members choke of the, on all this woke jargon, don't they? Yeah, one of the other members of the board, Elizabeth uh, Busy Burr, was uh, an improv actor. That was her experience. Uh, I learned a lot doing improv, and it's influenced how I think about leadership. Yeah. Uh, so they put her on the board of this bank. How uh, how did that help you with risk assessment? Shouldn't the, <laughs> should the board be reviewing every month or every quarter where the assets are located? And, and what the consequences are if you're overloading assets in bonds whose value are, is dropping dramatically. Did they All have right. that discussion? When we come back, we'll talk about this story from the El Segundo Times about the drugs, crime, death on L.A.'s metro system. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. We're live on the radio from 1 until 4, and the podcast happens after 4 on the iHeartRadio app. It's John and Ken On Demand. So anything you miss, you can hear. Mm. Anything anytime you Anytime you want. Anytime you want, all day well, and night. on the bowl, in the shower. You know, you can hear it a day later, two days later. No. During it's... sex, whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Didn't the listeners say they did that with you when you were on the radio years ago, that they would have sex to your voice? Yes, in the morning. In the morning, right. And they would wake up, and apparently if they were feeling frisky, I'd be on in the background while they were grunting and heaving or <laughs> whatever it is they were somehow. doing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Uh, the El Segundo Times uh, finally got around to doing an in-depth story we brought you weeks ago from other media sources that uh, Metro's really in a tailspin. Uh, the metro system in Los Angeles County would include the subways and the buses. And ridership is disastrous. Uh, they had thought as the pandemic eased, people would come back. <clears throat> but what really happened during the pandemic is the homeless drug addicts doubled down on getting on the subways and buses. And we learned that this year alone, which is only a couple of months old, they already have more overdose deaths on the metro system than they had all of last year. So the story by oh Rachel God. Uranga... Starts this way. Matthew Morales boarded the Metro Red Line at MacArthur Park as classical music blared over the station's loudspeakers. I'll take a moment to tell you that that's one of their plans. They've been blasting classical music to try to drive away people from loitering. Why, would, why would that work? 7-Elevens do that. Some they Sometimes they play really heavy metal or, or they play something Heavy really... metal, I can see. Classical music is not going to drive drug addicts away. That's stupid. It was rush hour on a Tuesday afternoon, and Morales made his way to a back corner seat, unfolded a tiny piece of foil with several blue shards of fentanyl. As the train started west, he heated the aluminum with a lighter. He sucked in the smoke through a pipe fashioned from a ballpoint pen. Doors opened and closed. A few passengers filed in and out. A grain of the opioid fell to the floor. He concentrated on trying to pick it up, then lost track as his body went limp. His shoulders slumped. And he slowly keeled forward. Welcome to the By the red time line. the train arrived at the Wilshire Western Station, he was doubled over and nearly motionless with his hand on the floor. And I want to take a moment to say this for the Times to do this story, because all they do is promote people to take these dopey trains and buses. Right. For them to do this story is kind of a big step because someone must have said, oh, my God, this will not reflect well on getting people to ride the trains well, and buses. They are constantly 
lecturing in all their news stories and columns that because of climate change that we must all transition towards public transportation no you will get killed or you'll watch people die no i don't care how hot the planet gets i'm not doing that even though don't be writer yesterday who's that sammy roth yeah who, who drives around too even though he's worried about the climate he still drives around too he's not getting on these buses and trains and then of course is his article or his opinion column was basically about how uh, white West Siders are polluting the air yeah. for uh, people of color neighborhoods. Yeah, we, it's ridiculous. We, 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 have, we have people snorting fentanyl until they pass out, and he's worried that we're all racist for driving our cars on freeways. I mean, I mean, don't, don't, the, the Times is filled with lunatic writers. It, it, it never was like this. You sure they're not on the board of SVB? Uh, well, like the they, same kind of people. It is a brain infection. It the woke virus is destroying everybody's brains. Nothing is functioning. This newspaper doesn't function. The banks aren't functioning. I don't know what the hell is going on. Everybody's obsessed with nonsense that I, I don't even understand half the nonsense they talk about. Well, here's the number. Since January, 22 people have died on metro buses and trains, mostly from suspected overdoses. That's more people than all of what happened in 2022. Serious crimes are up 24% compared with the previous year. They talked to a train operator who said as he drove the Red Line subway, he saw a man masturbating in his seat, and he calls other people sleepers, people who get high and nod off on the train. Quote, we don't see any business people anymore. We don't see anybody going to Universal. It's just people who have no other choice than to ride the system, homeless people, drug users. Yeah, can you imagine taking your kids on a train ride to Universal? And sitting next to one guy who's masturbating, another guy is, is snorting fentanyl, third guy's passed out on the floor, fourth guy has a knife sticking out of his gut. I mean... When we had the radio station uh, situated in Koreatown, they just opened, I think it was the red line. Yeah, I remember, remember the MacArthur Park Westlake station. I think we took that to Langer's Deli one day. Yeah. Uh, apparently, in this story, that is the worst of the worst. The station sit next, sits next to an open-air drug market. About 22,000 people board the trains here daily, but apparently this is the worst. 26 medical emergencies at the station between November and January, most of them uh, drug overdoses. How can there be such a thing as an open-air drug market? How can that exist even for a day, for an hour? Ah, well... Where we go, Allison Vu, a spokesperson for ACT LA, a social justice advocacy coalition. Oh, these people need to go away. What is harassment and jailing people going to do if, if, to use drugs to address the drug use rates? See, what these people want, John, they want the, uh, uh, the injection sites. They want the injection sites. They think the homeless will go there, inject themselves safely, and then we stand by with Narcan they, to revive them. They tried that in San Francisco, and San Francisco closed it in just a year. They ended up with something like 17,000 people showing up. Well, what the, actually what they wanted to do in San Francisco is give open-air injection sites and then get the people, coax them into drug treatment, and yeah. they got, like, nobody to yeah, do it. They had like 10, That's why they closed it. They had thousands and It thousands. wasn't worth the money because they weren't getting anybody into drug treatment. Well, yeah. I mean, does this uh, silly lady want to pay for this? They don't go to drug treatment. They don't want to get off the drugs. And we're going to spend our tax money on this nonsense? Even in San Francisco, they couldn't do it. The mayor had to blow the whistle on it. We're dealing with opposition, and we've seen this with the homeless and now with the drug use and the crime, that doesn't want any enforcement but action on anything. Tell me, why? No enforcement of any kind. Why can't, why can't oh, Karen Bass... 
just tell them to get the F out of the office. Oh, because she sympathizes with them. She, she understands. Does. Well, oh, yeah. you know what? She's got to be smoked out because she's on the Metro board and she's the mayor. And all the taxpaying citizens cannot use a Metro train or a Metro bus because all these, these, these derelicts, these bums, the unhoused, who, who are, their bodies are laying all over the place. This guy's masturbating. This guy's dumping his feces. This guy's urinating. Well, they do say in the story they arrested people on the red line uh, last year, 50 of them. But Prop 47, there's no consequences. Yes. In California, most charges are misdemeanors or considered lower level offenses. Oh, okay. And that's it. So, so we've tried- Prop 47 also defeats this enforcement idea. And we've tried that law now for over eight years. And this is what it produced. We now have a multi-billion dollar transit system that no decent person can use. This is what we got for billions and billions in tax money and this stupid, stupid Prop 47 law. Now everything's the compromise? The compromise is they're putting ambassadors on these trains and subways. Unarmed people that walk around and I, what, gently nudge you if you're uh, smoking fentanyl? Until you not do that? Until the first ambassador gets knifed. Which is, which is going to happen. I, I, I'm afraid that is a very yeah. possible outcome. Yeah, th- th- it's going to happen because you, you, have, you have hundreds of these crazy people. And if the ambassador, either that or they're going to be completely ineffective and they're just going to sit there like potted plants. All right, we got more coming up. After 3 o'clock, we'll check in with Steve Gregory, KFI News, who did cover Biden's visit to Monterey Park. We'll see how exciting that was. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Well, we'll talk to Steve Gregory, that guy in KFI News. You're familiar with him. Uh, he was covering uh, Joe Biden's visit to Monterey Park, which occurred this afternoon. Uh, part of a swing from San Diego to L.A. and then over to Las Vegas. Mostly, I think, to raise money. But supposedly, uh, he's got an executive order on guns. And we'll talk about that with Steve and see what he found out. And maybe Biden slipped while going down the stairs. We don't know anything <laughs> might have happened to him. I think so he, had, he had he's had two more stumbles recently going up the stairs. I did see yeah. video, and I'm never sure whether or not that's new or old. Or no, there were two new ones. Hmm. Well, he, he, well, he's 80. He can't go up the stairs anymore. Uh, but I, I pointed out what I always point out with this. He tries to go too fast because he wants to show everybody he's vigorous. Mm-hmm. So he slips because, yeah, he's 80 and he's going too fast. I saw him. He was like really quick stepping up the steps and a little stumble. He's going to take a header. Also next hour. Tomorrow we understand it is very possible that the U.S. Senate will vote on Garcetti as to whether or not he's the next ambassador to India. A compelling statement was released today by Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa against Garcetti in this nomination. We'll bring you all that and plus another media outlet did a story on Garcetti's perhaps connections to the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know, but it's full of detail and his connections to some oh, he clearly prominent has figures. Yeah. How did how did uh, how did nobody know this for the nine and a half years he was in office? Well, you know, we do business with China too, so it's part of yeah, that. Yeah, but this is, mm. this is dirty stuff. All right. Well, maybe you should run to Washington with that. Uh, As they're voting on the Senate floor, wave the article. He's He's a communist. Uh, the El Segundo Times did another story today. This one quite different than the last one about all the drug use and homeless on the metro system. 
This is about uh, people driving in their cars and using their cell phones. The old topic of distracted driving. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it begins with highway fatalities being on the rise in the U.S., 46,000 in 2022. And, again, I look at that number and I say, how many hundreds of millions of drivers are there and how many trips are there? I I hate to say this, but I don't get shocked by that number. How many billions of miles do people drive? Yeah, I, I, I think on a percentage basis, that's actually kind of low. Yeah, but, but because it was up 22%, now we have to panic. And how many of these deaths involve distracted driving? Now, in this story by Russ Mitchell, a staff writer with the El Segundo Times, they admit later on it's hard to say because when you have an accident, especially if it's a tragedy, you can tell that somebody's drunk, right? Uh, obviously, by testing them, and maybe it's that somebody's high or that somebody's driving too fast because there's data. But how do you know if somebody was playing around on the cell phone and was under the category of distracted driving? Uh, they talked to a guy who's part of the National Distracted Driving Coalition, John. Did you join that once? Distracted <laughs> Driving Coalition. Yeah. Wait, if I did, His what would I His name is Bruce Landsberg. Well, he's got to be a lot of fun. What little kid dreams of joining the National Distracted Driving Coalition when they grow up? I don't know. So they cite a 2022 survey of uh, people's habits behind the wheel concerning the cell phone. Travelers Insurance Company. 77% say they use the phone while driving. Well, I mean, I do, but it's hands-free. I just uh, have the Bluetooth, right? So That's, minimal, that so, that's minimal distra- distraction. Yeah, so that, that takes away some of that number, right? I, I guess. Uh, 74% use cell phone maps. Uh, don't we usually to try to get around? Well, you know? And a lot yeah. of people put the phone on a stand and, right next to the steering wheel so and, you don't have to look and far. Bef- before cell phone maps, you had paper maps. Or you had uh, directions that you scrawled down on a little slip of paper. Yeah. So there, we, there's always been something like that. The next three, though, are a little more troubling. 56% do read a text or they email somebody. That can be a little uh, harrowing because you have to start typing with your fingers mm. or unless you have yeah, the voice command one. That goes on. I, mean, I love, uh, that's one of my little things to entertain myself. Watching people text. Well, if, I'm, if I'm trying to make a, a turn onto a road, I just watch the cars go by. And watching people who are actively looking at their phone, and you can see them scrolling while they're driving about you know 30 miles an hour down one yeah. of the boulevards. I'm guilty of, uh, last week, I did want to fire off a quick text to someone, and I was kind of, I was, I was behind the wheel. I was driving. I said, oh, I just want to answer yes, because they want to know now. I was like, I'm trying to type yes while I'm driving. Why don't you type, I'm about to die? <laughs> then they could know the exact moment you hit the tree. 27%, this is a good one, updated or check social media. Yeah, that's important while you're driving. What's going on on my Facebook? But, uh, you know, shouldn't those people be weeded out? They should. Yeah. That, they, if those people get into a crash, that's Darwinism. Yeah, that's right. I, no, no. My favorite, 19%, <laughs> 19%, shopped online while driving. And I thought of Deborah Mark. I just thought that's something she might do. Shopped for what? Yeah, we should save this. Uh, her new leopard outfit or something. Or, <laughs> or vegan boots. I don't know. A leopard steering wheel cover. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That sounds perfect for her. Especially yeah. with her convertible. Be uh, prominent while she drives. A uh, leopard steering wheel cover. She's probably guilty of all three of those. Email, social media. I mean, it's more complicated shop. to do online shopping. I mean, it's one thing to check your Facebook or send out a text, but to sit there and actually click through items you might buy while you're driving, that's... I, uh... I can't do it. A couple of times I tried to order some food, 
because while I'm, you were driving, while I was driving, for, forget it. I, I, Why don't you just it, call it, the number and do it the old-fashioned way? It, Use your Bluetooth and just order it while you're driving. Yeah, that's what, that's what I do. Although, like, there's one burger place that doesn't take calls anymore. Oh, yeah, well, that, like, you know what? I expected that was going to happen. Yeah, we only take online orders. Yeah, everything's oh. online because that way it's very clear. They can see what you ordered exactly, and they don't have to I, I mean, worry about the distortion on the phone I, line. I even complained to the clerk at the burger shop. It's like, I can't uh, uh, order online when I'm driving. Driving. And they, and they just looked at me. They had a blank look on their face. All right, when we return, we'll talk to Steve Gregory, KFI News, about uh, Biden's visit to Monterey Park. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. In, in for Deborah Mark, who's probably out shopping. Mark Reiner, live in the 24-hour KFI Newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.